following podcast may contain spoilers, profanity, and views or opinions that may not be representative of the author's intent of the articles discussed. We don't always take ourselves or the subject matter seriously either. Listener discretion is advised. The following is a Galactic Network podcast. Welcome to the Alien Invasion number 249, recorded on Thursday, October 4th, 2018. I'm Dave Nelson, along with Mr. Blad, Blad Rudbig. <laughs> Hadn't thought about changing my name, but I may do that now. Blad. Or I might use that as an alias if I check into a hotel and I don't want anyone to know where I am. All right, Blad. Welcome to the show. <laughs> On this episode, we learn what happens when you mash up the alien invasion genre with vampires, then throw in some really bad special effects and lots of overacting. It's our look at the 1985 movie Life Force starring Patrick Stewart, although he's not in it as much as I remember, Brad. Yeah, I seem to have confused it with another movie or fused him from a, a, another film into that because I could have swore that he had a full head of hair, uh, whether that was, you know, uh, fake or not. I don't recall, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if maybe I merged Dune with possibly. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I was thinking that too. And I thought that he was in a bunch of scenes that I remember when I first, when I, when I didn't first see it, when I saw it last time, I seem to remember him being in these scenes that he wasn't in watching it this time. So either both of us traveled to a different dimension or we're just our memories wrong. There's a dimension out there where Patrick Stewart had a bigger role in Life Force. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be. Yeah. All right. So let's get to it here. Life Force also starred Steve Railsback as Carlson. <laughs> they yelled his name a lot for some weird reason. Yeah, there was a lot of shit. <laughs> there was. Okay, so I looked up Steve, Steve Railsback on IMDb, and he did a lot of stuff. He was He's like one of those guys. Like, yeah. oh, he's that guy that you see in things that you don't know who his name is. Uh, Peter Firth, I don't know who he is, but he played Colonel Colin Kane. Colonel Colin Kane. A lot of k- a lot of alliteration there. Yeah. Was he the creeper that was that was tagging along the whole time? Tagging along with Carlson? <laughs> uh, uh you know, that's a good question. I wasn't paying attention to uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's continue here. Uh, Frank Finley as Dr. Hans Falada and Matilda May as Space Girl. She did not have a name, so on IMDb, DB, she is known as Space Girl. Yep. Was there ever a superhero named Space Girl? Was there ever, ever a, like a member of the uh, Legion of Superhero called Space Girls? Space Girl? No. Okay. Not that I recall. There was Comet Queen. Okay. But no Space Girl. 
No space girl. All right. It just sounds like a Legion of Superheroes name. It really does. <laughs> All right. So here's what happened in the film. The space shuttle Churchill is assigned to observe Halley's Comet under the command of Colonel Tom Carlson. Is that going to get old after a while? No. Okay. <laughs> if you've seen the film, no. <laughs> they see a strange form attached to the comet, and Carlson goes with a team of or team to investigate. They find three humanoid life forms in caskets, and they bring them to the uh, Churchill, which they had no problem bringing those those bodies to their ship. I I would have been a li- little bit hesitant finding an alien ship attached to Halley's Comet or in the tail of Halley's Comet with three perfectly formed human beings in stasis. Wouldn't that give you pause? From what we understand, Carlson uh, is somehow drawn to Space Girl. Oh, that's right. And so he he really kind of looks like he's already under her spell as soon as he sees her so i think and he's he was in charge of the mission so he made the call and that's what happened i seem to remember one of his underlings saying we should get out of here and he was like no we're not going anywhere so i think at that point he was under her spell yeah and she was using um not ESP. Uh, she, Nudity, I think. Is yeah. The power you're speaking of, sir. We'll talk about that in the, the weirdness <laughs> section of this podcast tonight. No, she was using mind control basically to uh, control his actions. So, without, even before they got there, I think she was under his control. Or, no, she was, he was under her control. Yeah. Okay, so they're in Haley's Comet. They're in the alien spaceship. They find the bodies. They bring them back and a uh, one of the space bats back to uh, the Churchill. However, Earth loses contact with the shuttle, and Space Research Center Shunner, sends another spacecraft to search the Churchill because they they get into orbit, and the uh, the uh, Space Research Center can't get a hold of the Churchill, so they send up another ship. Um, They find the crew dead and the shuttle burnt, and one rescue pod is missing. They bring the humanoids on Earth, and soon Dr. Hans Falada and his team discover that the space girl is a sort of vampire that drains the life force, there's your title, from people transforming them into zombies. When the authorities find that Colonel Tom Carlson... Has survived. They summon him to explain what happened in the Churchill. Carlson tells an incredible story about the three aliens, and he teams up with Colonel Colin Kane. Yep, I was right. Trying to save mankind from the evil vampires and zombies from space. So you have zombies and vampires in this movie. Wait, we don't want to say that there were zombies and then there were vampires. They were vampires that acted a lot like zombies. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's clarify that. Yeah, just, just to be clear. Okay. And that's before or after they get their life force and life force taken away. After. After. Okay. All right. 
We'll talk about that as well coming up. So there is your synopsis. There's your plot summary right there, Life Force 1985. Um, The movie, to me, seemed like it felt more like a late 70s movie rather than a mid-1980s movie. Did, did, Did you get that vibe? Did you feel that? Not entirely. Okay. No. It, to me, it is a it's a quintessential '80s film to me, and I think that's partially because Matilda May kind of got moved into uh, kind of loosely associated with Scream Queens, which was you know a lot of the '80s film like uh, films like uh, actresses like uh, Linnea Quigley. Um, oh crap! I had a few others. Uh, of course, I didn't write them down, so I, they're not here right now. But uh, like uh, Return of the Living Dead, there were movies of that time period where you had a female somebody that ended up very naked and very much a part of the film at some point. And Matilda May, I think, because of her character, kind of got shuffled into that category of of the Scream Queens. I'm going to look on her IMDb to see the rest of the films that she was in. Give me a She second. has done a lot of work since and then. Recently, yeah. Like 2018, yeah. she was in this movie or TV show called Access, Mystery at the Opera 2015, A Woman's Revenge TV movie. I'm guessing that's like a... Yeah, she has 58 credits to her name. Wow. Holy crap. And uh, she's got something in post-production right now. It's going to be released in 2019. So She's probably, besides Patrick Stewart, the most per- the person that's gotten the, the most work since that movie, since uh, Life Force, I'm guessing. Were I to hazard a guess? Most likely. Oh, she she's done some Spanish, either Spanish or French stuff. Well, she is from France. Oh, she so, is. Okay. Yep. Somebody had grabbed a YouTube video of, or, or a copy of a kind of retrospective, I guess, of Life Force. So I watched that and I, I, I got some facts and I, I, I wrote some of them down. Oh, okay. Do you want to do that now? Well, how about we get through our questions. Okay. And then we'll get into our impressions and then... Um, Based on those impressions, we'll see if what what impressions you got from the film match up with some of the interesting facts okay. uh, that go along with that. Follow this Galactic Network podcast on Twitter, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us by searching for Galactic Network on all the major social networks or click on the icons at GNCast.com. Here is question number one. What type of alien were they? Space vampires. <laughs> yeah, there's no other way to really really classify it. They were space vampires. Well, really, they could be called vampires because the theory in the movie is they were the OG vampires. They were they came to Earth a long yeah. time ago and they were the vampires of legend. They were the creatures that caused the legend to be born about vampires. Yes. So they have all the hallmarks of, the, of vampires, except for they can. I think they can. They can be out in the sun, if I'm not mistaken. So, yes. did they ever explain the giant bats? 
bats? Yeah, the giant bats in the spaceship. Oh, um, you know, I think they loosely did. One of the things that she, uh, Space Girl, Matilda May's character, says is that she took on the form that would be pleasing to Carlson and you that we wouldn't understand what her true form would look like because I mean, it wouldn't be appealing. It wouldn't do the job that she needed to have done or her 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 race needed done. Oh, so they're able to change their appearance. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe that was their natural form. I mean, the movie was cut down from Toby Hooper's uh, original. I think it was close to two hours. Okay. And uh, they, they trimmed it back and there were some things that even Patrick Stewart was disappointed that they cut out. So I, I wonder if there is a director's cut out there somewhere. I don't, you know, actually there kind of is, there is, and this kind of gets into <laughs> some of our interesting facts. Um, the American release is the cut version. If you can get a, if you get it on Blu-ray now, you can get the full version. Oh, okay. But All the right. VHS version that was originally released was the theatrical U.S. version. And that is the is the trimmed down bit. But the version that was released in the U.K. was the full-on Toby Hooper vision. I'm guessing that the extra footage would explain a lot of things. I Yeah, because uh, I'm pretty sure... And, and we'll get into some of the movies that came out at that same time um, that may have attributed to to some of uh, <laughs> where it actually kind of uh, fell in the block, but you know, and how much money they it it made with all these other kind of blockbuster films that came around, in and around it. So, okay. So the next question would be, <clears throat> what was the reason for their invasion? And that's pretty simple to answer. They want the life forces of the human beings to basically reanimate their species, the giant bats, aboard the ship inside Halley's Comet, right? Yeah, because the ship itself... It Heavy spoiler alert here. <laughs> if you were going to listen to this and go, gosh, I, I wonder if I should see... We're going to tell you everything. Uh -huh. Just that, If you want to see this film... Stop this now and, and, and see the film. Yeah, we're assuming that you've seen the film or yeah. you don't care and you don't want to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been out for, what, 33 years? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, shame on you. Uh, no, so, um, the, the ship essentially has that dish that's that kind of folded, backwards folded up umbrella for the front end of this ship. So it was designed to pop out of Halley's Comet. And because it comes close to the Earth, pull out of the, the tail of the comet and have things happen so that they will pull the life force out of people and that life force ends up being translated to the transferred, I guess, to the ship to feed it, to, to feed the occupants. Because there are there are thousands of pods on this ship that you get to see briefly at the beginning. Um, 
there were some things that are unclear, like, you know, the space shuttle goes to the ship. If it hadn't gone to the, I mean, the ship can come to earth, but would the, 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 the pods that we first find the, the main three, um, I guess space vampire space girl and the two space guys, <laughs> uh, dude, I mean, is the ship, does it launch them like torpedoes and then they, you know, somehow come back? We're not sure on that. They're conveyed to earth through the space shuttle and the ship is designed to receive this life force energy, but that can't happen until somebody, at least one person has been infected or mm -hmm. had their life force removed from them by one of these three space people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's never the kernel has to be planted on the earth for this whole process to happen. So yeah. Yeah, they never really explained how it would have worked if he hadn't been spoiler part space vampire or full space vampire. They didn't really explain that. He only he gets she transferred some of her energy to him, and that's how he is like her. Oh, okay. Got it. So, you know, she, she does say, yep, you are like me, but she kind of expands upon that in that, you know, he couldn't pull the life force out of people. <clears throat> but because she, she can, they can passively draw life force from people. And what she ended up doing because she was very, she was attracted to him. <clears throat> is she ended up kind of commingling her energy, life force energy with his. And that's why he kind of has some of the abilities that he has, like to be able to see through her eyes and stuff like that. Okay. All right. You've explained a lot so far, Brad. I, I really paid attention. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Cause I was like half paying attention. Okay. I made, I made an S to watch this too. Ah, I, you know what? We watched this movie for the old podcast, the Sci-Fi Film School, I think. Okay. And did Anessa say anything about watching it before no. for before at all? Okay. Nope. All right. Let's move on with question number three. What type of technology did they possess, or by what means did they travel the cosmos? And I think we've answered part of that question. They didn't really have much technology besides the ship, as far as I can tell. I think it was a lot more their abilities that they had. Yeah, and and we really don't, we really don't know how they or the ship got into Halley's comet. I mean, that's that's a, a bit of information we just don't have. Yeah, and the and the movie didn't really get bogged down in techno babble. They didn't really. No. Try to make it a sci-fi film. They just kind of let people assume that this is the way, it, how this worked or whatever. Yeah. It's it's kind of sci-fi adjacent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's in space. It's, yep. There's space parts in it. <laughs> there's aliens in it. And that's about it. Yep. Okay. If there's a conflict, who won and how do they do it? Well, I think the humans won. I think. Yeah. It's... Carlson's kind of resolve and his connection to his humanity that ends up saving the day. And Dr. Hans Falada, who is basically the Von Helsing of this vampire tale, 
figures out that some of the vampire legends sort of work here. A stake through the heart does not work, but you know, leaded steel through through the base of uh, he calls it like the energy center, but basically it's like at the base of the rib cage. Yep. Mm-hmm. So just underneath where your heart would be, and to the slightly to the right, um, that's the the focus of energy. And if you stab somebody with leaded steel through that, you'll kill them. Mm-hmm. You'll destroy them. And that's and, what that's what Carlson did with the help of uh, uh, Doc. Colin Kane. Yeah. Colonel Kane. Colonel Colin Kane. Yeah, essentially uh, in the point where the space girl is like really heavily making out with Carlson and Carlson's very much under her spell. uh, Kane calls to him with the like leaded sword, leaded steel sword. And it's enough to kind of break the spell over Carlson. And he ends up... (laughs) Catching the sword with one hand while he's in a loving embrace with her and stabbing her basically through the back, through both of the centers of energy of both of them and out his own back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That took a lot for a person to do. I I don't think I could do that. Yeah. One, to break this kind of mental conditioning that you've had going on. Two, to take your own life. And three, slowly push a sword (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through the back of some person at an odd angle and through yourself. Mm-hmm. That it, was an odd angle. It, Yeah. I, you know, it's like trying to, and, and the sword is, it, it's not, it's like an unwieldy kind of a sword, you know, it, it's, it, it would be hard to grasp and even, you know, to try to stab somebody from behind while you're in front of them with this goofy sword you know, there's you have to suspend your disbelief to yeah. make that work. Yeah. You plus, really do. plus, um, the colonel threw it down through the stream of life forces going up into space. Yep. And from 15 feet up. So he managed to drop the sword at just and, and have it fall just right. So Carlson could just kind of one hand <laughs> snag it out of the air. Yeah. It was so, pretty, uh, pretty cool move. Mm hmm. Okay, um, what moral and or f- philosophical issues were dealt with here? Um, maybe don't give in to your carnal desires and and needs. You know, don't uh, don't if a pretty girl, you know, says that she wants you or gives you that come hither look, don't fall for that because it could be a space vampire. <laughs> I, I, I kind of wrote and I, I posted them on Facebook. Some of the takeaways that I got from the film is there's no truth in beauty. Uh, if your boss asks you to come to their office, you say no. <laughs> yep. Because there's a scene where they go to the prime minister and the prime minister's like, I'll talk to you in a minute. Uh, secretary, please come here. I need to talk to you for a moment in my office alone. <laughs> and then... The door is left partially open, and they see him sucking her life force out, so they know he's been infected. And that wasn't suspicious at all. 
Uh, no, it was like, uh, and he's like sweating bullets, you know. He's like, uh, um, I don't feel really well. Uh, could you come to my office a second? Yeah. Even you, the viewer, are like, yeah, get out. Yeah. She's, <laughs> That's she, not going to end well. Yeah, she's a goner. Uh, I, I listed no one can say no to a naked Matilda May. No. Which uh-uh. really seems to apply in this film. But that kind of goes along with the kind of the, the sexuality of the vampire I think that's kind of the the carry through of the vampires of of lore. Yeah, it goes all the way back. It's it's a it's a theme that's been with the vampires ever since the very beginning. Yes. So, I mean that. While that's kind of tongue in cheek, that's nobody could say no to her. Mm-hmm. She'd you know be able to use her kind of mental powers and overtake you, and you know um, that's how she got free from the. Um, space agency uh in great britain the effects for the space zombie vampires or the people that have been infected with this vampirism and they need to feed it's really interesting how they got that effect because they are incredibly gaunt you know they're like emaciated and the skin is like pulled incredibly tight to the skeletal system it's like all your liquid in your body has been sucked out. Absolutely gone. Yep. And to the point where uh, one person who's been infected like totally loses his mind cuz he's there's a 2 hour limit. You have to feed within 2 hours or what little bit of life force you've taken from somebody else leaves you and then you become a desiccated corpse and one guy totally freaked out trying to get to somebody when his two hours was up and ran into a kind of a chain link sort of a a, a fence um, and like exploded into dust <laughs> it was absolutely crazy but they they got that effect they made like um, latex dummies with actual like you know uh plastic bones or whatever inside of it and then they made it airtight and then they would suck the air out oh okay and that's how they got this especially there's one scene where you look at somebody who's two hours is up and he's laying on the ground and it's like he passes out and then it leaves him and he just cool <laughs> he just completely his skin pulls tight the effects were either really good or really bad in this film like there was some some pretty bad stuff, but then there was the thing that you were just explaining, which was awesome. Yeah. You know, this is at the point where animatronics are starting to be used in films. And especially, you know, I, I go back to Return of the Living Dead, which yeah. I'm trying to think. It was around that time. Maybe it was 86. I don't recall. But <clears throat> they, they were starting to, to use animatronics animatronics and more complicated puppetry uh, to do some of these things. So it it has that look and feel of an eighties film, but the technology of the time that was actually kind of cutting edge. Okay. So we have one more question. Yes. Were there any inspirations drawn from real, real life or other fiction? Did this movie inspire others? Well, I think we kind of already answered the inspirations drawn from real life or from other fiction because this has the hallmarks of every single vampire story that's ever been written, told, put on film, or whatever. I think it's it's 
it's pretty much a straight-up vampire story. Toby Hooper, as a director, was influential, but I'm not sure if... I don't really have any information on if it inspired other people. You know, how it looked was kind of inspired by Alien. So, I mean, Ridley Scott has uh, kind of an influence in here Mm -hmm. um, from what I... Or am I mixing that with the relic? That might be the relic. Sorry. I think Um, it's also got a very um, gothic fiction look to it as well. Yeah, it kind of does. And I think that part of that is the, the tip of the hat to, like, Dracula, the actual, you know... Von Helsing, the whole search for Count Dracula. Mm-hmm. And it takes place in England, so there's castles and, yep. and you know some of that as the backdrop. Yeah, it, so, it wouldn't be uh, as effective if it like took place in New York City or something like that. Not really, no. If you like this podcast, The Alien Invasion, and would love to support us in a very simple way, we ask that you go to gncasts.com slash support. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com slash support and click on the Patreon link. Uh, Now with Patreon, we're just asking for a few dollars a month. It's not per episode, it's per month at one, three, and five dollar levels. And each level has its own perk. Like you can get your name mentioned on our shows, not just this show, but all of our other podcasts that are part of the Galactic Network Network. You can get a whole message read and other perks, other other things that you'll get for your dollar, three dollar, five dollar a month support of the network. So again, go to gncasts.com slash support, click on that Patreon link, and I believe we also have a link to our Amazon affiliate link on that page as well. So if you're going to be doing some shopping on Amazon, uh, click that link and support us that way as well. GNCasts.com slash support. And we thank you. I guess this is kind of our last segment. It's the weirdness of the movie. We're going to run down. You've you've got a lot more than I do. So let me get through mine first and then we'll move on to yours. And I think you've covered some of yours already. Some of it, yeah. Yeah. This movie was very sexual. And uh any 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 chance they could get or any chance they got, they um showed some nudity. Like I, I could just see I didn't see this when it came out in eighty five, but if a eighteen year old Dave Nelson would have gone to see this in the film, he would have been like, Oh my god, there's there's somebody there's a nude woman right there. This is this is awesome. You know, it's weird because she's only really on for about 17 minutes total. Really? Yep. Huh. And the shoot was 120 days, and she was naked for 100 of them. Wow. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I think that was on purpose? <laughs> well, I think part of it, it, yes. And I think that she had at least for the U.S. version, and like I said, I haven't seen the version that was released originally in the U.K. and is available now on Blu-ray. But, you know, they really kept coming back 
uh, the MPAA, uh, the people that you know give the actual, you know, is it PG thirteen or actually at that time it would be PGRXG. Mm-hmm. Um, they kept coming back with problems that they had with the film, and some of it was really kind of ridiculous. So it was like they kind of had it out for this film because there was a lot of in your face nudity, I think. And with the kind of sexual undertones of a vampire film and what they were attempting to do, um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff was cut out. So I think, you know, part of her a hundred days of nudity got, got really kind of cut out in the U S version. And it sounds like the director really wanted to make his vision, but he wasn't able to. So that's he. His vision probably included a lot more nudity than uh, ended up in the U.S. version. Possibly, yes. All right, a lot of yelling in this movie. We've already <laughs> touched <Girlfriend>! on that. <laughs> There's that one scene where they're on the phone or they're on the radio with Dr. Hans Falada. Yep. He was like on the phone or on the radio with those. Oh, they were in the helicopter. Okay, that's what it was. And he kept on saying, "Carlson, you hear me, Carlson." Carlson. Carlson. <laughs> um, let's see. What else do I have? Uh, overacting. A lot of overacting. And um, and then we also touched on this earlier in the, in the podcast. Uh, for some reason, the vampires seem to be more like zombies, and that's we we all we already established that they weren't. They're not actual zombies. They're Vampires with zombie characteristics. Like I said, uh, Anessa and I watched kind of a history and making of Life Force. And uh, Patrick Stewart lists this movie as the first on-screen kiss that he has ever done. And it was with with a guy. It was with Carlson! Um, (laughs) Patrick Stewart plays a psychiatrist who is has been asked to look into this and has been looking, or seems to be looking at it as a psychological phenomenon and not that, you know, space aliens have infiltrated the earth and are sucking, you know, the life force out of people. But it turns out that space girl can, as a part of her abilities, basically possess somebody. And that's what's what had happened. And with this attraction between Space Girl and Carlson, this kiss ends up taking place. <laughs> um, just because he's so drawn to to her and her energy. Yeah, he so. kept on seeing her in yeah. his face. Yep. Um, Matilda May was a uh, classically trained dancer in France. And she couldn't speak a lick of English when oh. she did this film. Okay. And she had to learn all of her lines phonetically. Well, not many lines. She didn't speak no, that much. No, she did not have a whole lot of lines, but um, they had a, a hard time casting Space Girl because of the nudity. Mm. And Matilda May was, you know, understandably nervous but after a while she just got used to being naked in front of everybody it was just yeah yeah part of the job Whatever. part of that particular gig yeah 
the effects that they did, you know, I spoke a little bit about it with the animatronic, especially with the eyes, um, some of the more advanced puppetry that they did um, with this and the, the look of the space, you know, the emaciated space zombie vampires is incredibly kind of creepy and not kind of creepy. It is creepy, um, but it's really kind of well done. It's, you know, a little dated by today's standards, but at that time it was like really cutting edge. So it's, it was really kind of interesting to see, um, to see that bit of history. And um, I'm trying to remember the special effects person that they got, but they worked with industrial light and magic Canon films who, who made this particular film had done a lot of schlock horror type stuff. But one of the, the, the higher ups had read this book uh, the Space Vampires, which is the, the, the what this comes from and it was the original working title of the film, had read this and went, oh, man, this would make a great movie. And it was like his quixotic quest to, to make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah, a, a lot of hurdles were kind of thrown in the way. And it's really sad the movie is sort of well reviewed or at least, you know, for eighties to me, for eighties standards, it's, it, it's, it was pretty good. It's now like kind of a cult classic to a certain degree. Yeah, it is definitely. Um, and like IMDB, we got 6.1 out of 10 stars. Um, Shakespeare, it ain't, but, um, for looking at it as a time period piece of eighties film, it's it, it's not that bad. It's, it's a pretty, pretty interesting film. The issue that they kind of had is around the time of its release, these movies were released at the same time. It's quite the list. The Goonies. <laughs> not a big Co- movie at all, you know? Yeah. Cocoon, wow. which destroyed at the box office. Uh, St. Elmo's Fire. Pritzy's honor. Wow. And kind of the, the lowest of the, the totem here um, for sort of upper end, larger budget films was Return to Oz. So, I mean, there was a lot going on right around the time of the release of the film. So it really kind of got buried in the box office, which is uh, which is a shame. And it, it almost made back the amount of money that they had initially put into it, they like increased the budget from what they had originally uh, allotted for it. Um, and it's really kind of a shame that, uh, that it didn't do that well at the box office. So, all right, there you go. Those are the, uh, the weirdnesses of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Is that a word? Weirdnesses? Well, yeah, we'll, we'll call it a word. Okay. Please subscribe to this Galactic Network podcast by going to gncast.com slash subscribe or search iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or anywhere podcasts are offered. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Alien Invasion, a Galactic Network podcast. Thank you for uh, joining us for this look at Life Force. On the next episode, we'll be discussing our top four favorite alien weapons. And I don't think we've touched on this before. Um, I don't. Yeah. yeah, this could be interesting. And I was thinking about this today. 
it almost needs to be broken down into types of weapons. Yeah. Because you look at a movie like Independence Day, and the alien motherships have that huge beam that basically destroys entire cities. But then you can look at, like, sidearms or something, you know, small arms. Yeah, why don't we look at it as, like, melee weapons, like bladed weapons. Okay. Pistols. Okay. Rifles or longer-ranged guns. There you go. Heavy weapons, like uh, maybe a bazooka or something that, you know, or a, a minigun or something like that. A larger, a weapon designed to do a lot of damage, but is doesn't need to be mounted on something. Well, what about, for example, the Borg, <laughs> how they assimilate people? That doesn't really fit into any of those categories. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't include that. Okay. All right, fair and enough. And then the fifth and final one will say, like, ship-based weapons. Okay. That makes sense. All right, That's so uh, okay. look for that next time. Yeah, that'll work. Look for that next time. Uh, we want to thank a few people before we get out of here. Like Monkey Warhol, he gave us the intro song. It's called Alien Syndrome. You can find out more about his music at monkeywarhol.bandcamp.com. Also to Retward von Dernberg, a composer from Germany. For our closing song called Be Water, learn more about him and his music at thecaravel.net. That's with a C. And also thanks to Mr. Ben Olson. Thanks, Ben! And want to thank him for recording our disclaimer audio at the very start of the episode. His website is benolson.com. Thanks for joining us. Before we get out of here, any final thoughts, Brad? Chris Evans just uh, said that he finished his last uh, shot as Captain America today. I saw that. So he's done. He's done. He's hanging up the shield. All right. We'll find out how it happens, how it goes down when Avengers 4... Yeah, Avengers 4. Yeah, it comes out next year. All right. Until next time, you guys have an awesome week, okay? Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye! Yeah, I switched it up a little bit. I changed it up. I I threw you off, Brad. A little bit. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.